It is indeed cold. It's not as cold as it sometimes has been, however. It's not even as cold as it's going to get over the next couple of days. So be encouraged. Um, we can be encouraged also in knowing that Bud and Marlene Ashby are now grandparents again, this time of Emma. Emma was born on Friday morning, or sorry, yeah, yeah uh, I think on Friday morning, four pounds, seven ounces on February 1st, and uh, is the daughter of Greg and, what's Greg's wife? Jamie. Jamie. That's right, because in the first service I said Janie, that was wrong. Yeah, Greg and Jamie have had a child, Emma. She came early, though, uh, quite early, actually seven weeks, I think they said she was early. So we need to be praying about Emma, but we're grateful that she's in the world and, and, uh, and is doing well. Let's just stop right now and thank the Lord for Emma. Lord, we thank you that you have watched over uh, Greg and Jamie. We pray that you would bless them as they parent this new child into the world. God, we pray that you'd bless Emma with strength in you, growth in you. We pray that she'd have a chance to know you and love you. I pray that Bud Marlene would be able to, along with her parents, pass on to you, uh, to, uh, to her, I should say, you, in a, a faith that is rich and deep and growing always. We pray these things today through Jesus. Amen. So last week we had our AGM. Many of you were here for that. Uh, if you weren't here for our AGM last week, we actually projected a $21,000 or so uh, deficit at the end of 2019. We're projecting, the, given the budget that we have right now, that if things go exactly as we expect, that we'll end up with a $21,000 deficit at the end of the year. Which is interesting. Uh, that's not something that we're used to doing. We have done it uh, once or twice in the past, but it's not something that we've done all the time. And it's unfortunate even. It's unfortunate to think that we would find ourselves at the end of the year having uh, less money than what we did at the beginning. Especially when there is a responsibility to which God calls us. And w this morning I'm going to be preaching about giving. I'll just tell you right now. It's giving, folks. It's giving Sunday. It's the day in which I ask you to give more money. And in one sense, I, even I shy away from this. Like I've told you before, this is probably about the fourth time in the last 35 years or something of ministry, only four times have I ever talked about this on a Sunday morning. It's unusual for me to do so. Now, it so happens that all four of those have been in about the last four years because of circumstances that we find ourselves in here in Calgary. But it, but it is a reality. And I don't think it hurts. It certainly is not unbiblical. Shouldn't be a problem with the preacher standing up and talking about money on Sunday morning and saying to people, can you give? Because I think God would expect me to do so. And in fact, I think God himself not just through me, certainly, but on the pages of Scripture, calls us and asks us to take seriously the responsibility that we have of a financial nature when it comes to His work. Now, the fact is, $21,000, certainly for the Lord, that's nothing. But really, for us, I'm not sure that $21,000 is that big a deal. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal, therefore, don't worry about your giving. I'm not saying that. 
I'm saying that it's not a big deal because the Lord has blessed us in such ways that I don't know that $21,000 is something that we can't do. Let me show you what I mean by that. Can you move me forward there, please, Olivia? Thank you. Look at this. Fixing our budget shortfall. We could, in fact, increase our giving by 4.5% across the board. So if all of you said, I'm going to give this year 4.5% more than what I did last year, we'd be fine. 4.5%. That's not that much. We could do that. In fact, there are ways in which we could do that that are relatively painless. For example, we could just increase $7 a week for only 60 families. Now, the fact is we have probably twice as many families as that, maybe more than that. But if 60 families would say, we're going to give $7 more per week, the $21,000 would go away. It wouldn't be a problem at all. Um, That's an increase of about $30 a month for 60 families. Uh, you say, well, you know, 7 times 4 is 28. Why do you say 30? Well, it's because there's some months, of course, that have 5 weeks. And so it's more like $30 a month is what it is in order for us to actually make the $21,000 deficit go away. In fact, if 60 families would not have 1.5 coffees a week than what they have now and give the money to the church, we'd have that go away. So here's the way the preacher could do this. I could just say, which means more to you this morning, folks, coffee or God? What do you think? And in fact, it's not even a question of coffee or God. It's only 1.5 cups of coffee a week or God, which means more to you. And so I, I actually think we could do this relatively easy if we would just decide to do so. And so again, you might say to me, well, Kelly, 60 families, we've got more than that. This is even easier than you're saying. And that's right. You're making my point for me. It's even easier. Obviously, if 120 families all increased it by $3.50 a week, we'd be there. And so this is not hard for us to do. We just have to make the decision to do so. And so it might be that next week, you'll just say to yourself, you know what? I can just add $7 onto what I'm going to write for this check. You know, normally I would write this check for $60, but I'm going to write it for $67. Normally I'd write this check for $150, but I'm going to write it for $157. Do that, and the $21,000 will go away. Well, we could do this easily. I don't know if we will. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. If we don't, we could ask ourselves the question, what exactly prevented us from doing so? Because really, when it comes right down to it, not making that that $21,000 extra and and just normal giving, uh, taking care of the responsibilities that we have, if we don't do that, it really simply falls on us and the decisions that we make. Wouldn't you say? Like, there's nobody else who can be really responsible for this than us. We wouldn't say, well, it's, it's God who's responsible for us not making that up or someone else is responsible. Really, it's just a choice that we make, a decision. Am I going to add that $7 a week on, or am I not? Am I going to let go of the one and a half cups of coffee a week, or am I not? Those are just choices that we have to make. And it's interesting the way that there are some things that seem to prevent us from making those kinds of decisions. So this morning, I just want to focus on a couple of those problems, actually three of them, and some scriptures, I think, that kind of head in that direction, and we'll see what the Lord does with this over the next 11 months now, okay? So first of all, I would say this. There is first the problem of taking our responsibility seriously enough to plan for it. 
And my point simply is, we need to plan for the financial giving that we give to the Lord in such a way that all the responsibilities that we have end up getting met. And we can do this. This is not hard if we simply take seriously the notion of planning and budgeting how much we're going to give to the Lord. I want to show you a passage. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16, if you would. This is on page 820. Oh, went too far. Back one. Maybe go back a bunch there. There we go. 1 Corinthians 16. On page 816 in your Bibles that are underneath the seats... And I want to read these verses. And it's interesting to me the way that Paul is expecting here the people to give some thought to this. Like this is not just spontaneous, ad hoc, off the top of the head kind of giving that people do in the early days of the church. It says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. They're talking about money. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So it's not just the Corinthians that Paul's talking to, but it's other churches as well, and I think we can make the application here. On the first day of every week, one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. And so Paul simply says, I want you to get ready for this. Be prepared. Like when it it comes time to passing around the basket to fund the work of those who are in Jerusalem or to help give them some things that they need, like money for food, let's not just do it spontaneously ad hoc off the top of our head. But instead, he said, I want you to plan for this. Be ready. First day of the week comes along, know what you're going to give. And I think this makes sense to us that we would know what we're going to give, okay? Uh, There's a young lady over here that I've known all her life. Bethany Roberts is sitting here. She has no idea I'm going to do this this morning, okay? And I didn't know until five seconds ago that I was going to do it to Bethany. So who knows what's going to happen here, okay? Bethany's a a nurse. Um, Do you make $300,000 a year? Nope, she doesn't. (laughs) I could have guessed. So she doesn't make that kind of money, but she has some responsibilities, though. Do you have rent that you have to pay uh, to somebody, right? You probably have food that you eat. Do you eat food? Okay, she eats food. Okay, that's good. You're a nurse, you should be taking care of yourself. So she eats food, she has a budget for her apartment that she has to pay. Do you have a car? Do you have car insurance? She has to pay it. Car insurance. Uh, do you have, uh, well, you, do you have renter's insurance? Like you don't have, um, like, yeah, okay, sorry. Okay, don't anybody start a fire at Bethany's place, okay? She doesn't have, but that's okay. Um, I, never bu- I never once bought renter's insurance my whole life, okay? It's not a sin not to buy it. Um, so Bethany has other responsibilities though like maybe she I don't know if you have school loans maybe she has school loans that she has to pay back Uh, if she doesn't have those there are other responsibilities that Bethany has and here's my guess on her wonderful nurse's salary I'm guessing that Bethany can't just be willy-nilly ad hoc not having any idea how much money she has every month in her pay which is going to pay for her expenses I'm guessing that you have to budget okay And I'm not going to ask Bethany to put the budget up on the screen today. But Bethany has to budget. Of course she does. And in fact, let me just raise your hands if if you have to budget in your life. Okay, your your economic situation at home enforces you to budget. Okay, almost everybody has to have a budget. 
That means that you're thinking about how much money is going to come in. And it's not just your gross amount that you have to think about. You have to think about your net amount. How much am I going to have every month to pay my mortgage or my rent and my car insurance and all the other bills that I have? And I've got to have some money to eat on, so I've got to plan for food too. We do this. We do this all the time. If you don't budget, by the way, I hardly recommend it. Doesn't it make sense that if we're going to take seriously the things that that we have to afford that keep us alive and functioning and happy in our world, that we would include as part of that an intentional thought, budgeting, when it comes to the work of the Lord. And if we don't think in those terms, what are we saying about the importance of that to us? Because it seems to me like Paul here was saying to the Corinthians, take this seriously. You have a financial responsibility here, and you can give to bless these other people. Take it seriously enough that you plan for it. And so let me just say to you, if you don't plan your giving, I hope that you do. I hope that you sit down, maybe after the sermon today, while you're getting ready for the Super Bowl, and think to yourself, what is it that I need to start giving to the Lord? How can I plan for this? How can I prepare? And I hope that you do. Make a financial plan for yourself that includes the church and the Lord's work. I think God would want you to do that. Second thing I would say today is this. Sometimes it is simply our love for the things of the world that prevent us from doing all in this area that we should do. And I think you know this as well as I do. I want you to turn to First John, if you would, chapter 2. When you do sit down, you start making out that budget... You start thinking, well, how much am I going to give to the Lord? There are all these other things that you have to weigh out, right? Like, again, I've got rent. I've got a car payment, maybe. I've got car insurance. I've got food that I need to eat. I need to keep the lights on. It's minus 25 outside. We've got to have some heat. So I make decisions about how I'm going to, have, how I'm going to spend my money. And you know and I know that there are always things in our lives that we think to ourselves, oh, I really want this. I really want to do this. And there's oftentimes something there that the fact is, is there because we love the things of the world. Um, You know, there are some things in this life that I just love. That God has given me an opportunity to participate in. Sometimes I love those things too much. And because I love them so much, I'll make decisions even about my finances and where my finances are going to go because if I'm going to come right down to it and admit it, because these things in the world mean so much to me. So John says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. That's kind of a scary thought. 
For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. They come to nothing. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And I don't really see, like I know this passage doesn't say anything specifically about our finances. I get that. But I don't see how this doesn't have repercussions for the decisions that we make when it comes to budgeting. You know, the fact is, I've talked to some people who absolutely love coffee. I don't love coffee. So it's easy for me to pick on that one. (laughs) It's easy for me me to stand up and say, 1.5 cups a week, folks. You can give that up. Do you love that coffee more than you love God? For me, it's something else, of course. For me, it's a chai latte. (laughs) But there is still something there. There is something for all of us where we think, you know, if, if I didn't love this so much, if I just thought about this beforehand and planned for it, I, in fact, could do something to bless the Lord's work in a positive way. And so I want you to think that through. I want you to do think about it. I do want you to budget. And then I want you to ask yourself, what are the places that I really could give something up and make a sacrifice and in the process actually bless the Lord's work? The fact is, every one of us are victims of a mindset in our society that is simply too materialistic. That's just a fact. We live with that mindset every day. All of us do. We know that God doesn't want us to be as materialistic as we are. And it's just hard for us sometimes not to do it. We need to choose to make that sacrifice for Christ. The third thing. Sometimes I think we just don't understand the privilege that there is in giving. So I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 if you would. And please turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. And I want you to see this because the attitude on the part of these people, these Christians, is something to behold. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, this is fascinating because you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul, talking to the same group of people, the same church, tells them to set aside money beforehand to prepare for that and to give. And here, in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, he starts talking to them about a grace that they have received. But the grace, when we hear the word grace, we tend to think of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus and his blood has set us free from our sins, and it's a free gift. That's grace. But that is not at all what Paul is talking about specifically right here. Look at this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. 
And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. What is the grace here? Is the grace here the blood of Jesus on the cross shed for us so that we can be forgiven? No. Grace here is in fact the gift, because that's what the word means, the gift and the privilege of being able to give financially to the Lord's work. That's what this is. Paul is saying that there is blessing here, that there is a gift here, something that has come to you that is fortunate, where you would say, thank you, God, for the privilege and the blessing of having this opportunity. This is not a burden In fact, Paul doesn't even, he does talk a bit about it in terms of being a sacrifice, but he says for you you to make this sacrifice is actually of blessing to you for you to make that kind of sacrifice. Now, let me just ask you folks, you guys, you know what I'm talking about here. If I say to you, when you give, blessing comes back to you, tell me some ways. Let's Let's just take a moment here. Tell me some ways in which blessing comes to you when you take the opportunity to give. And let's say you give sacrificially. You have to give up something in order to give something of benefit to another. So you give up something and it's a sacrifice for you and there are things that come back to you because of that. What are they? Just raise your hand and tell me. Some benefit that comes to you because you give. Imelda? Joy, absolutely. In fact, this is spoken of very specifically, that there is a joy that comes to us when we give. In fact, God loves the cheerful giver. There's a special relationship. There's a bond between yourself and God, something that goes on when we give. There was another hand here. Was it Joan? Yeah, good for you. And praise the Lord that he blesses us. You know, like I don't know that there's always this one-to-one correspondence like you give and then God gives right back to you. So like I give $5 and the 5 bucks is always going to come back. And that's probably not great theology. But we're going to read a passage in just a moment that talks about this kind of blessing that comes to those who give. And it's so true. Yes. Absolutely a sense of accomplishment. Like there's something that just fills you up. You feel like you're getting something done. You can take the money and spend it, to use the coffee thing again, you can take it and spend the money on the coffee and, and afterwards you have an empty cup. But you could take that money and do something with it and afterwards you have the accomplishment and, and the feeling that you've done something with that $4.95 or whatever that is actually a blessing to the Lord's work. Something else. Go ahead. Sometimes I find when I've chosen to sacrifice money for the sake of somebody else, whatever that may be, then when I go to get that item, and it's actually on sale, and it enables me to give them more than what I'm 
Sure, we give and God gives us more opportunities. I, I find this all the time, that the Lord blesses you with more opportunities to give. And you think, well, do I need more opportunities to give? I think I've got enough, don't I? But when he gives you those opportunities, they're opportunities of blessing. And he just keeps giving you, gifting you with those opportunities uh, for you to be blessed by giving more. Um, he gives you a little bit and you do something with it. Isn't this biblical? You take something in some small way that God has given you and you do something great with it and he gives you more. And then you get to take that, that more that he's given you and you do something great with that and he gives you more. That seems biblical to me. The notion that God continues to give us opportunities to bless his work. What else? Shane. Sure. Yeah, you get to... Can you imagine that we join with the creator of the universe in what it is that he's trying to do in his kingdom? We get to play a role in that. So many of us would say, God, use me in some wonderful way. And he's saying, seven bucks a week is all I'm asking. (laughs) More than what you're doing now. Andy? Sure. We get to participate with everybody else. You know, in, in what we're doing. Don't we love being part of a church family where we're all working together towards some common goal? It's wonderful to hear about some blessing that comes to us all because we all had a chance to pitch in and serve together in the Lord. It brings us closer together in Him. And certainly, our financial giving does exactly that. Well, there's other things that happen. You know, I, I, I'm a changed person when I give, I mature in Him. The Holy Spirit works in me to produce a change in Kelly when I give and make sacrifices for him. And so I end up growing and being a different person because I've given. And so if you ever think to yourself, boy, I really would like to be a different person in the Lord. There's some things I, I'd love to say that I, that I, areas in which I grew and became a different person. And God is saying, I, I can help you with that by giving you an opportunity to give back to me some of what I've given to you. And in the course of all of that, you're going to grow greatly. So there's, there's all kinds of things that come to us. And here's what strikes me. We, we take our money, and if we choose to do something, let's say we do something selfish with our money, okay? Why would you do something selfish with your money? Why would you do that? Why, why would you take some money that you have, and why would you do something kind of self-focused with the money that you have? Isn't it because you think that the spending of that money is somehow going to bring you pleasure or happiness or blessing. There's something that you're thinking that's coming back to you because you took that money and spent it in such a way that was kind of focused on self. You're trying to get something for your buck. And God is saying, you've got this all wrong because the blessings are going to come to you not when you're taking it and spending it on something self-focused, but when you give it away. He says, that's when all the blessings really going to come And so there's all these things that can come to you by taking your money and doing something for him with it. And then that's when the real blessings start coming. And so you can take that seven bucks a week, whatever it is, and you can do something relatively self-focused with that. And you might receive something. Or you can take some portion of your income and make a sacrificial gift to God and he says that he's going to shower down blessings on you when you do. And again, the blessing may not come in a larger bank account. It's possible, but it, that's, 
That's not the point. The point is, is that God is going to bless you in so many ways in which you yourself might even be transformed and changed because you chose to give to Him. Well, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just across the page. And here's the point, by the way, that I was just making. You miss out on the joy, the blessings, when you choose not to give financially to the Lord. I really think that's true. You miss out on blessings. When you cho- we try to make blessings ourselves by doing something with our money that maybe is self-focused, and all the while God is saying, look, I'll bless you in wonderful ways if you return some portion to me. Well, look at verse 6 of chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I don't think that's a threat. I think he's just stating a truth. Each of you should give what you have declared and decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the attitude that one's supposed to have as they approach this. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us... Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And there's two things here that are so fascinating. One is, your harvest of righteousness increases in the midst of this. Like, I don't know what your goals are in life, but just the notion of being righteous before the Lord and receiving that kind of blessing is in itself absolutely wonderful. But look at the very last line there. It will result in thanksgiving to God. We talked in class just a few moments ago, Michael did when he was teaching, about how ultimately what we want is for God to be praised. We want thanksgiving to go to the Lord because of our lives. We want our lives to be a testimony. And something comes out of who we are and ends up in praise to God. And what Paul says is that when we have generous hearts... Thanksgiving and praise end up going to the Lord. That is significant. All of a sudden, the whole duty of humankind to praise and give thanksgiving to God can come about, at least at some level, because of the financial giving that we offer. And so the question is not, God or coffee? The question is, do I want to praise the Lord? Do I want to give thanksgiving to God? Do I want to give thanks to Jesus for what He's done, for the Spirit being within me? And when we want to praise God in that way, even with our finances, Scripture says that He ends up being praised. And you have a chance to do that with your finances. I hope that with some forethought and planning that you do. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all the things that you've given us. You've given us so much. Like no people in the world are blessed more than we are. It's, it's amazing to have what we have. Help us never to take that for granted. 
And Lord, I pray that as we open our hearts and as we give back to you, that you're praised. Receive our sacrificial offerings and receive praise. We pray through Jesus. Amen.